0: Well, good morning, all. Good to see you. Are you all all right? Good. Excellent. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't rhetorical, but that's okay. That's, that's okay. A uh, very warm welcome, particularly if you are brand new this morning. I don't know. I don't know where everyone is this morning. We we were pretty rammed at the first. Um, we can never predict between the two services what it's going to look like. But anyway. Uh, so over the next couple of weeks, <coughs> we are looking at um, a chapter in Colossians. So Colossians is a book in the New Testament. It is a letter written by Paul to the church um, in Coloss, um, or Colossi if you prefer, either way. Um, he planted that church, he started that church from nothing, and then he wrote back to them. And, and actually really the theme of the whole book of Colossians is really Paul is trying to counteract the very early stages of Gnosticism. And I haven't got time to go into what Gnosticism is, but basically people are starting to believe some erroneous things and he is trying to just kind of gently nudge them and correct them. That's really the theme of the whole book. Um, that's not why we're <laughs> working from uh, chapter three, although we're always learning and always longing for God to show us more. So, Father God, I pray that as we study this little bit today and just through my words, God, that you will, you will be doing things in all our hearts. We want to know you better we don't want to know stuff. We want to know you. We want you, please, to reveal yourself to us as we, uh, as we read and look at this little bit from the Bible. We have open hearts. We don't want to be stubborn. We don't want to be hard-hearted. God, if there are things that we hear today that feel like a bit of an elbow in the ribs from you, then God, we want to deal with them and do something about it. Not because you're a God who needs us to tick every behavioural box, but you're a God who longs for greater and greater levels of intimacy with us. Thank you, Lord. Okay, it's not coming up on the screen, but if you have a Bible, then by all means turn to Colossians 3. If you don't know where that is, then uh, look it up in the contents page, which is your best bet, or head for the back and work your way back in. So this is um, Colossians chapter 3. Um, as I've been preparing for this, I've really been using four main tra- or three main translations, but I'm, I'm sticking with the NIV for now. <clears throat> so Paul says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him. <laughs> In glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You need to walk in these ways. Sorry, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of the creator. Here, there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Next week, Nick is going to pick up with the very next word, which is therefore. And obviously you can never start a talk with a therefore um, because you always have to see what it's there for. And so go back a bit. So I'm doing the why it's there. And then Nick will start next week with the therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. OK, so let's just, um, let's just unpack this a little bit, find out what's going on. So Paul starts, since then, you have been raised with Christ. So if anyone has said yes to Jesus and they've embarked on that relationship um, with God, because of what Jesus has done, then you are—you become a new creation. You become born again. That's where that—that's where that expression comes from. And what actually happens is you—you yes—you you, uh, kind of die and are reborn. And that's what baptism is. You go into the water and it's symbolic of the same thing, of saying, I'm dying and then I am resurrected. In fact, the Bible even uses that expression in just a few verses time. So you die and are resurrected. You are raised with Christ. So you die to your old self, which is dead and needs to be put to death. Both are true. Um, And you are raised to life. So Paul says, since you have been raised with Christ... Set your heart on things above. Set your hearts on things above. So your heart is symbolic, really, of your affection. So let me ask a question. What receives your affection? What are the things mainly that receive your affection? Your love, your attentiveness, your attention. Some of you, I can see, are thinking mainly chocolate. <laughs> but anyway, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. <clears throat> so, what Paul, I- what Paul is saying here is he's writing, he's saying, You need to set your affection up there, the heavenly places. If you've said yes to Jesus, embarked on that relationship, then according to Ephesians, another one of the books, another one of the letters that Paul wrote, we are seated in heavenly places. We're already seated there. As well as I'm stood here right now, I am seated in heavenly places. Awesome, right? Okay, well, I think it's amazing um, that I could be seated in heaven right now and stood here. I think that's amazing. Um, but I will continue to marvel at it on my own. Um, so he says, set your, um, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So sometimes people say, oh, um, Jesus has just come into the room or whatever, whatever. He hasn't. Jesus is seated in heaven. God's in heaven, sat on his throne. Jesus is sat at his right hand, right hand symbolic of power and authority. And the Holy Spirit is everywhere. So it, it doesn't really matter if people say, oh, you know, Jesus came in the room. Oh, that's great. Good for you. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, the three of them are very good friends and talk to each other a lot. Um, so uh, that's my thoroughly deep theological understanding of Father, Son and Holy Spirit, by the way. Uh, you can have that for free. So he says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly thing. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God Set your mind on things above. Wow, he's really trying to make a point here. So our heart is our affection. So our affection is towards him. But that's not enough. It says you've got to set your mind there as well. Paul says, give your mind as well, your thought life. So your thought life by default is thinking about everything that God is, who he is, the heavenly realm. I love the way the Passion Translation renders this bit. It says this. Um, yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. So you go, every situation we ever walk into, our affection is already set on him. And our our mind, our thinking is already thinking in a heavenly way. We don't walk into a situation and think from an earthly perspective. But instead, we walk into a situation and think from a heavenly perspective, just as we have done, had to as a church over finance. You look in, the earthly perspective says, this is easy. Just make people redundant. That's the easy way. That's the quickest way to cut costs of most organisations is you just make people redundant. But Paul says, no, set your mind on things above. So you say, God, what are you saying? And he says, you are never driven by lack. You are led by the Spirit. And this is every situation we walk into, every shop you ever walk into, every workplace you walk into. Paul's saying, set your affection on him. Be thinking about him, be chewing it over Be mulling, be musing, be wondering. Are you fascinated by Father God? Are you fascinated by Jesus? Like, wow. What's the latest thing that you're fascinated about him? I I don't really know. I don't really think about it. And this is exactly what Paul's saying. Set your heart there. Wow, he's just wonderful. And set your mind there. Be thinking. What does this look like? What about this bit? What about that? Oh, wow. I had a love, we, we, were, we had some of the leaders, we had a, like an away day yesterday. And as some of you will know, we've sort of revisited the vision and we've got this set of aims and we were, we were just essentially anchoring those aims in what the Bible says. So we were spending quite a bit of time just reading through the word and reading through the Bible. and We came up with this lovely bit, uh, which I don't think we even used, but it said, I passionately run into all God's abundance. Wow. I said to Nick, I want that to be my epitaph. Okay, it's made better than here lies Chris. He was irritating. Or here lies Chris. He was a nice bloke. But here lies Chris. He passionately ran into all God's goodness and abundance. Oh, I want that written on my grave. So just so you know, okay? I'm just letting you know, uh, just in case I go before you. Um, So for you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him. So what he's saying is, listen, you've got the choice. You can think about all the things down here, or you can think about all the things up here. You can set your affection on the things down here, or you can set your affection on the things up here. But if you're in Christ, I mean, he, he, it's like a sales job. He's saying, you're going you're to gonna appear with him. When the trumpet sounds, you're going to meet him. Jesus is coming back. Jesus definitely is coming back. And when he comes back, if you said your yes to Jesus, you're going to be with him. The trumpets will sound and we will be with him. So he's saying, what could compare to that? I mean, you could keep thinking about the earthly things, but... You're going to go through the air to the sound of trumpets. Like, woohoo! This is really exciting. And he's trying to say, "Or oh, you can think about strictly. You know, this is, yeah, I agree. We're, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I thought it was Joel. Um, so, so he then, he goes on to say, kind of like, therefore, so put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Well, Hang on a minute. Are we crucified or are we not crucified? Are we dead or are we not dead? Because we've just been told to put to death. Well, I thought he was dead. Both are true. We have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but we are also told that we need to put to death certain things or put off. So sometimes it's tricky language and we're just trying to use English words to explain explain a spiritual reality. And frankly, um, English words will just uh, never really cut it. So he's saying, you need to put these things to death. You who are dead, you need to put yourself to death. These things in you. So whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Okay, now before I read this little list that comes up, you have to put to death everything in your earthly nature. (sighs) Wow, what does that actually look like? Like, Does that mean I'm not allowed to support Liverpool anymore? I mean... Because there are limits, there are hard limits, and that is one. Um, And it doesn't mean that I suddenly have to stop liking really nice food, or it doesn't mean those things, but what Paul is saying is in the context of where are you setting your heart, and where are you setting your mind. If you are going to set your affection on Brexit, or Liverpool, or trifle with sherry in, or any, if you're going to set your affection things here, Paul is saying there's nothing wrong with those things. Don't waste your affection on them. Give your affection to God because he is totally worthy of it. So these are the things that we're being told in this list to put to death. And he's got his second list in a minute. Sexual immorality. So I had quite a rummage around because this is a really controversial one because people are a bit awkward about sexuality. And some of the reason I think is because there's something about sexuality that goes to the heart of who we are as human beings. It's a very very incredibly intimate personal thing and that's why all kind of sexual assault and and, and worse is so violating like so violating. Sexual immorality is any sexualized sexual behavior that is outside of a man and woman in a covenant relationship. There. Sexual immorality, anything that's outside of that covenant relationship. A covenant relationship is all of me in return for all of you forever. Marriage is an example of a covenant relationship. So I I looked this up in three dictionaries, Bible dictionaries, people much more learned than I. Uh, two Bible commentaries, and three translations. And that is the best I've come up with. Any sexual activity outside of being a man and a woman in a covenant relationship counts as sexual immorality. And Paul's saying, deal with it. Sort it out. Kick it into touch. You don't need it. Set your mind and heart up there. And then he says this. "Um, Impurity. (sighs) Wow, that's a toughie. Lust. And lust doesn't necessarily have to be a sexual lust per se. It could just be always, constantly needing and wanting more. You can lust after money, right? And Paul's saying, "Don't waste your affection on it. It's just going to get in the way of your relationship with the Father. Kick it into touch." Evil desires. Of course, none of us ever have any of those. Um, greed, which that was uh, humour. Uh, greed, which is idolatry he's saying because of these the wrath of God is coming. So let's just explain this. So it's quite hard to understand that God is good and then you read this list and Paul says because of these the wrath of God is coming. In other words God has just stood up from his throne, he's put his headmaster's flowing robe on and he's just fetching the cane out of the cupboard and yet again here we are seemingly being pointed towards the fact that God is the ultimate disciplinarian who is basically reeling off a list of stuff that we're not allowed to do and then he has his cane at the ready for any time we screw up but understand it more like this that is not who God is that is not who God is and the reason paul is saying this is saying don't waste your time on these things. Don't invest yourself in these things. Deal with your lust. Deal with it. If you've got a porn problem, sort it out. It's not easy. No one's ever saying these things are easy. If you've got another addiction, deal with it. And it's not like a you naughty person deal with it. It's a let's deal with it. Don't don't waste your time on it. Kick it out. Set your affection. Do you know the easiest way? When I say easy, it's incredibly hard to break addictions. Incredibly hard to break addictions. The least difficult way (laughs) of all the difficult ways is is you need to replace that affection with something else. The affection you have for uh, alcohol, just picking on one. When I use the word affection, your heart and your mind think about it, right? When you have an addiction, don't they? None of you, obviously, have ever had any addictions. Good for you, you holy bunch. But that is what happens. And one of the best ways is you replace that. I remember when I was learning to drive years and years and years and years and years ago, um, 1989. And uh, I learned in a Fiesta XR2i, for those who were around at the time. And I remember my driving instructor just given up smoking. Man, that guy chain ate peanuts. He had like a kilogram bag of peanuts in the glove box and he just worked his way through peanuts because what he was desperately trying to do was replace the smoking with peanuts. He put on about three stone. It was immense. But anyway, um, instead of focusing on these things, we give our hearts and we give our minds and our attention to him. So it says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of these things. Anger. Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Can you imagine what it would be like if everybody here, just everyone here this coming week, didn't say anything negative about anybody? Nothing. You held your tongue until you could find the positive, and then you spoke out the positive. Can you imagine what that would look like? And again, let's get rid of the God as the stroppy-haired master with the cane, waiting to tell you off, because you said something unkind about someone. Can I say, for anyone who's got kids, you know what it's like when someone comes and criticizes your child. Don't you? I mean, you want to sort them out, don't you? Even if they're right, you're like, it's my child. I'll deal with my child. You back off. It's like it's this instinct. It's this thing like, whoa, where did that come from? I'm just normally quite chilled. But in this moment, you seem to be accusing my child. That's how God feels like every time that we're slating someone or panning someone. Would you like someone within your earshot to say about your child... Look at what they're wearing. (laughs) Excuse me, do you want to say that to me? Is what I would say. That's how God feels. Oh, it doesn't really count. I only do it on Twitter. (laughs) I saw this week Mike Bushell from Strictly Come Dancing has received death threats. What is that? What is that? Death threats. For being on Strictly. Well, for not leaving Strictly, actually, technically. Absolutely ridiculous. And this is what Paul is saying. Why, why do you keep bothering yourself with these things around here? Fix your heart and mind on things above. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Saying, just focus on these things. And then you'll know how to deal with these things. Everywhere you go, you'll spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him, as the Bible says. Because you just, it's like you're just spending time with Him. So then wherever you go, you walk into a situation in peace and you bring peace. And you bring life into that situation. Rather than walk into that situation and you see it from an earthly perspective. We don't need someone else to see it from an earthly perspective. There's already a load of people in that room probably seeing it from an earthly perspective. There are a whole stack of problems that this world has got that it doesn't know how to solve with the best earthly minds together. Thank goodness we've got the mind of Christ. We can walk into that situation and we can begin to unlock it. Which is great news. So, he goes on. No filthy language from your lips. What does that mean? Swearing, cursing, that kind of thing. I think bother is still in. Uh, that's acceptable. And I, don't get me wrong, are Christians allowed to swear? It's not about allowed. Sometimes people ask me that question. It's not about allowed. It's about you're, you're so transfixed and fascinated with God, that why would you want to start spouting obscenities? Why, why would you want to? f in this, that, and the other. Like, why would you want it? Does it mean I ever swear? Yeah, I sometimes swear. And I'm saying to God, oh God, I don't, I don't want to be like that. I want to deal with this. I mean, obviously, I only swear when I get angry and then I justify it in that way. And of course, well, it's their fault they shouldn't have pulled out in front of me. Or, well, it's not my fault, God. I mean, they were the one that acted like a total idiot and whatever else. And God says, well, I'll take care of them. You need to take care of your heart. Like, God, oh God, can you... Deal with someone else for a minute, it's a bit uncomfortable suddenly, got warm in here. And then he goes on, don't lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, don't lie to each other. We have a, we have a kind of like a policy in our house, we really, really try to never lie. And I, I come across parents who lie to their kids I've got one word, don't. Please don't lie to your kids. I know there is the joke about the ice cream van and when it's playing the tune, it's run out of ice cream, I get it. Don't lie to them because then when you tell them the truth about Jesus, they're probably going to think you're lying again. We had a bit of a controversial subject in our house which was over Father Christmas. And I can't say too much because we have some younger people present. But if I'm going to talk about one character who can't be seen as though they're real, then how are my children going to believe me when I talk about a different character who is real but can't be seen? Didn't go down well in our house. We never really resolved it, but thankfully they are of the age where they have become enlightened, shall we say, um, and that kind of rather resolved the issue. And I got, oh, I've got called all kinds of names by all kinds of people because it gets discussed. Oh, you're just such a killjoy. It's just a bit of make-believe. Sure. 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 Each of their own. I just don't want to lie to my kids. I'd just rather always be straight with them. Um, always. Um, and so at the moment, there are, they're starting to ask questions. Like we said, oh, we, we went Christmas shopping earlier in the week. About 90% done, by the way. You're welcome. Um, and we, um, we said that to him. Oh, did you buy our present? How does it happen? But we were just able to say, yeah, yeah, like that. Oh, go on, tell me. Yeah, Yeah." like that. I'd rather do that and keep the suspense going. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to lie. I try not to lie to people. I I really do try not to lie to people. You sometimes have to find creative ways to encourage people um, when they're asking you certain things. Uh, But Nick, we have this agreement, sometimes people are surprised how honest I am with Nick about how she looks, bear with, bear with, (laughs) let let me get there, let me get there, but Nick will say, this doesn't look quite right, does it, or something like that, Um, obviously I take on the Gokwan anointing at that moment. (laughs) I say, now let me have a look. I think just a fatter belt, I think just something a bit more, no. And um, what, what I am, um, like I know, right? But the point is, I'll always, be, I'll always just be honest with Nick and I'll say, I, I think you could probably find a better one or, uh, uh, yeah, let's get stick with belts. I think you can probably find a better belt for that. I don't know, the thinner one work? I don't know, like that. I'm not saying, I think she's ugly. She's asked me her opinion on how she looks. And the trouble is, if I'm not honest then, then when I say, God, you look amazing, she's not going to believe me. You have to find a way, that we have to find a way to stop lying to each other and just be honest. He's saying, that's your old self. You've put that old self off. It's like, a, it's like a jacket. It's the death thing again. It's just another way of saying it. You've taken that off. you put on a new jacket. Find a way to build each other up. So now Nick says, does this belt look all right? And I say, I love your hair. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that men you can have that uh, Chris says he loves your hair no don't say that <laughs> So, um, but this is all about setting our heart and our affection on him on God on the heavenly realities that we live with this is what this whole passage is about and he says um you are taking on a, a new a new thing, and this isn't um, this isn't about whether you're barbarian or Scythian, slave free. It doesn't, in fact, the um, the Passion translation uh, does a lovely job on this bit. It says. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. Yes, please. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference. Your ethnicity makes no difference. Your education or economic status, they matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. So this whole section here, as Paul is writing to them, he can't be with them. So he's having to send, get this written and a messenger sent to deliver it. And he's saying, guys, think up, don't think down. Don't look around, look up. In fact, he says to a, one of the other churches, he says, everything that is seen is temporary. It's what's unseen is eternal. So he's saying, lift up your eyes. The psalmist um, Um, said lift your eyes up to the hills and that was symbolic of like the throne of God the place of encounter with God and Paul's saying exactly the same thing saying set your affection and your your thinking set them on what he is like we can walk into every situation and know that anything is possible at any given moment because God's hands are not tied they don't need, his arm doesn't need twisting So I don't know what situation you're going to come to this week. I have no idea. I really hope not, but some of you might even find out that a friend of yours has got some terminal horrible illness. Well, when they say that to you, in your mind immediately, you need to get a pen and put a line through the word terminal. Terminal according to who? It doesn't have to be terminal. Terminal. And you go into that situation already with your affection on him and your thoughts on him and you think, well, hang on, is, is, is it terminal up there? No. Well, in that case, it doesn't have to be terminal down here. That's a challenge, isn't it, <laughs> for, for, for us all? I could see you're like, wow. <laughs> go easy. Uh, right, let's stand. We're going to pray and wrap up. Father God, thank you that you... Invite us to keep feasting on the fullness of what heaven is like. Where there is no sickness, there is no pain, love abounds. There is no hatred. Your kingdom is is full. And as we so often pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's what we want here. That's what we can take into every situation. But God, if we give you our affection for five minutes a week and our attention for seven minutes a week, we're not likely to change atmospheres and transform lives. I thank you for the invitation to feast, to be fascinated with and to wonder. What a privilege that is. What a privilege. And just while people's eyes are closed, we... Love to offer people the chance if they don't know Jesus, they've never said yes to him. We just love to offer people that opportunity to stick their hand up and say, yeah, I want that. I want that life with him. That sounds amazing. So if you're here, just while everyone's eyes are closed, you've never said yes to Jesus before, and you want to take the opportunity this morning to do that, then just raise your hand now and be only me that sees it. If there's anyone. Father, as you've spoken to us this morning, some of us, including myself, need to just hear what you've said to us and go away and deal with some stuff. We need to get our big size 10 or whatever size shoe we have and kick the thing into touch, say, no, that's it. I want rid of that in my life because it's getting in the way of me knowing the Father more fully. So Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. You are wonderful. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.